welcome to Us Outspoken. Thank you for giving our podcast a listen and we hope you enjoy. You're joined here today by Gabby, Chris, and Matea, and we're going to be talking more about cancel culture. So if you haven't heard our part one episode of Cancel Culture last week, we definitely recommend that you give it a listen before listening to this episode. Our conversation last week on cancel culture was definitely something interesting, right? It was definitely an interesting take. I would say it's a little bit heated, uh, but regardless, we're back for more today. Today, we're going to dive into the fact of whether cancel culture is actually effective. Is it necessary? Does it actually help people grow or learn from their mistakes? But before that, let's talk on something more recent. In the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement, lots of people, political figures, celebrities, you name it, they have been canceled due to their racist remarks or behaviors, even if they aren't with us anymore. One very interesting figure that's, you know, quote unquote, canceled or deplatformed or whatever you want to call it, is one that we all know from our history textbooks. Well, at least some of us do. Um, if you took world history at some point, you're bound to know the name Winston Churchill. So a couple of months ago, a statue of Winston Churchill in Parliament Square has been spray painted with graffiti during a Black Lives Matter protest. Protesters graffitied the statue saying that he was a racist, right? And why did people do this? Okay, so for context, people were calling Churchill a racist because of his view of a stronger race or a higher grade race. And one event that you know ultimately led people to point fingers at him for being a racist was the 1943 Bengal famine, right? Where at least 3 million people um, are believed to have died. So we all know that, from what I've like said, we all know that there are definitely two sides to the story. Uh, one side that really glorifies Churchill for the things that he's done um, during the war. And also we have this other like social aspect where people are calling him out or I guess um, changing people's perceptions of Churchill because of the controversial things that he's done. So what do you guys have to say about this? I think it's beyond doubt that uh, Winston Churchill isn't the perfect leader, especially in terms of social views as what Gabby mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. However, I think overall, Churchill's achievements actually outweigh his drawbacks by a wide margin. Okay. Because as you guys may mm-hmm. know, Winston Churchill is one of the figures who actually fought up against Hitler in the midst of the Second World War, in which mm-hmm. uh, France has fallen. And yeah, but basically the situation for Britain in ni- in 1940s aren't really great at all, because I guess people have this illusion where uh, the British and the Allies as a whole mm-hmm. will definitely win against like two countries, such as Germany and Italy and Europe. Uh this is actually not very true because, as you guys may know, like what I mentioned previously, in which uh, Germany actually defeated France already by then. And without Churchill, the British are actually ready to throw the towel and just surrender to Germany. Uh, I think this means that Winston Churchill is actually a fighter for democracy and freedoms. And he actually mm-hmm. helped establish the United Nations as well. And I think... When we look at it from this perspective, I think definitely, even though he has his drawbacks in terms of his social views, uh, yeah. 
I think it's safe to say that his achievements actually outweigh them all. And to also to respond to the uh, claim about his role in the Bengal famine of 1943, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's actually true that he is at fault for causing the famine itself. Uh, however, this doesn't mean that he's actually free of blame because because he, we could actually blame him for failing to mitigate the effects of the famine and provide relief to the victims of the famine. Yeah. Furthermore, we could also blame him for prioritizing the well-being of Europeans mm-hmm. over those of South Asians, which is very unfortunate and even like and especially for modern standards is unacceptable in any way. Okay, so I think yeah, what he did was very much unjust. Um but I also think if we if we look at this like situation as a whole, um from like what we learned in the past, most of the histories most of the history that we learned is because it's, let's say, written by the victor, right? We're presented by this, like, glorified image of Churchill of him winning the war and things like that. Uh, but we were never actually exposed to, um, you know, social aspects of Churchill and, like, all the controversial things that he's done, like the Bengal famine. Um, so there's also one quote that Winston Churchill has said about the Bengal famine, which really... Um, made this entire situation worse, you know, considering that it's, you know, his, of his, like, controversial views. So he mentioned that, um, sorry, he blamed the Indians for the famine, and he claimed that they, quote-unquote, breed like rabbits. Um, so, especially in today's climate, where we're very much, um, where we're very much taken, you know, when we're very much taking social situations, especially on race, much more seriously, it's definitely unacceptable for him to say something like that. And I think the mm-hmm. reason why people are showing their um, outburst for Churchill is because this side of him was never really talked about in the past. Not never really talked about, but it was never really, um, you know, shown by the media or like even just like shown in our textbooks yeah. and things like that. So I feel yeah. like that's why that's what really catalyzes, you know, people's anger towards Churchill. Yeah. So I guess uh, it's like to to understand the context in which why there was graffiti over over Winston Churchill's um, statue in Parliament Square. I think there's there has to be like a consideration of also like why protesters are angry, you know, because um, they what it's like essentially it's like what they know about Churchill is like a lie. Mm-hmm. That's that's I think why they're angry. It's like he's being portrayed as like a sort of godlike figure and then right. like uh, like uh, it's like some sort of white savior towards black people even though like black people and like other people of color and uh, that's that's not partially that's not that's not that's that's a completely i think a completely valid viewpoint but mm-hmm. uh, but it's like on the other hand you should also be able to understand that um, the 1940s were such a different time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we see now as offensive might not be seen as, uh, as, as, as offensive like back then. So it's like, you have to understand that like what his attitudes, like Churchill's attitudes towards certain people are mm-hmm. certainly a product of a different era. Right. So it's like, you have to take that into consideration. It's like, uh, we can acknowledge his achievements, especially in fields like where he did fight for democracy during the World War Two and yeah. amongst other things. But uh, especially since he was uh, known for his kind of decisive le- leadership style and things like that, he's 
he's definitely made a contribution towards the world as it is today. But you also have to acknowledge that he's not as a perfect person as your history books teach you. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like maybe they they only teach you like you know the military history stuff. They don't really teach you like oh. Uh, he was like he was a nice person this and that you know he, he doesn't get into they, we don't books don't get those kind of uh, history books don't get into the personal stuff right? right so there must be like some sort of acknowledgement that people are not perfect and Winston Churchill is definitely not perfect so mm-hmm. it's like you have to acknowledge that there are good and bad sides to every person yeah I completely agree with everything like you've said Matea and I think it's also like mm-hmm. um, important to note that the the Churchill that we see in our textbook, it's mostly like an international, through like an international lens, right? Because we're talking, we're not just talking yeah. about, we're not, honestly, we're not even talking about Churchill. We're talking about like Britain um, and like maybe like how he's contributed, like how he's played a role um, yeah in like in that. But we don't really talk about Churchill as a person, like his own, um, you know, his own, like, so, as yeah. the social aspect of him, like, things that he's done yeah. on a local level, on, like, um, on, like, other, other levels that, you know, like, just on a social level, yeah. we don't really talk about that, um, and I think yeah, it's, because that was, like, yeah. that was, like, that was not the focus of, like, what we study during World War, when we study about World War, right. we study about, about the, the war, World War, you know, not, right, yeah, not about, like, social plans that, he that the, his government kind of set out for people to cope with the war you know um yeah i think another thing that's also really important to note is that you know in the midst of this black lives matter movement people are calling towards like the end of systemic racism and all all forms of racism um so i can definitely like we can all definitely see why this is such a controversial issue and why people decided to act upon like his statue right it's because they don't want people to know churchill only for like this glorified um, like version of him, but for other like aspects yeah. too. I think I think I agree with what uh, what both the both of you mentioned previously with mm-hmm. regards to Churchill. Uh, but I think I would like to also respond to Matea's point in which uh, in which you said like Churchill comes from a different time that, uh, than our own, and I think I agree. And in which I think as time progresses, mm-hmm. I think things evolve in which. Uh, norms began to change. Things that were acceptable back then aren't acceptable nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. I think when, it, for instance, like norms such as like dueling back then is very okay, but right. now not so much. Now, no, and, it's like illegal. Mm-hmm. You'll get jail time. But yeah. yes, definitely. And exactly. I think the views that Churchill share back then weren't weren't just his, but also shared with other people similar to him back then, because that. I guess that was like a norm back then, so mm-hmm. to speak. And is it unfortunate? Definitely. Mm-hmm. And in modern standards, it's definitely unacceptable. And I think, I think ultimately, every great leader, no matter how great, have an Achilles heel. And only time will tell whether it outweighs their achievements or not. Alright, so now we're gonna go 
jump right into the more meatier part of this podcast. And we're basically going to be discussing on whether cancel culture is actually toxic, right? If it actually prohibits growth. Um, because we've seen that over the past couple of years, this rise of cancel culture and the idea of canceling someone has definitely become hot topics of debate. Mm-hmm. Um, a celebrity or like a public figure does something offensive, then there's a public backlash, then there's this whole scenario fueled by um, social media where this person gets canceled, this person can get revoked from um, you know, their position in power and whatnot. So what do you guys think about this whole scenario? Do you guys think that cancel culture is effective um, in, like, in ensuing growth within a person? Um, when I think about cancel culture in general, like after seeing a lot of people like online getting canceled, including my favorite author, J.K. Rowling, last, <laughs> if you watched, if you, if you listened to the last episode, um, I feel like there's, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases that cancel culture can really show you how toxic, like, not only the internet can be, but also how people can be. Mm -hmm. Because essentially, when you're canceling someone, just all of a sudden like that, it's like, the question I keep on asking myself is that, are, does this mean, when you're, when you're canceling someone, does this mean that you're no longer giving them a chance to grow as a person? Because suddenly you're revoking people of their platforms and things like that. So it's like, Mm -hmm. by revoking it, are we really, does this mean, no more no more forgiveness does this mean that they're mm-hmm. that we won't give, be giving them a chance to to grow and learn from their mistakes it's like it doesn't seem like cancel culture doesn't it doesn't seem like canceling cult, someone is like in my opinion is like the best way to go in terms of um if we need to teach someone a lesson i feel like there are better more more um less negative not necessarily negative but there are ways that you can communicate mm-hmm. to someone that they've made a mistake instead of immediately outli- outright canceling someone. Because, like, mm, yeah. Right. That's, that's what I think. And it, I feel like it hinders progress. It's like if you don't give them a chance to learn, like, they won't learn. It's like you're just reducing them to the mistakes that they'll probably end up making for the rest of their lives, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with what Matea is saying with regards to cancel culture prohibits growth, uh, especially because uh, I think when we cancel someone, uh, sometimes it also means taking away their livelihood, like uh, their income from their jobs, because like, mm-hmm. I think mm. because when you cancel someone, they sort of become radioactive in the job market in which uh, people don't necessarily want them. To be a part of their work mm-hmm. or like movies or whatever. Yeah. And I think when you do that to someone, I feel like most of the time that people wouldn't necessarily learn from the lesson and embrace mm-hmm. uh, their mistake in which they apologize and they change their perspective. But I think uh, when you take people's livelihood, it usually pushes them to the extreme in which, for instance, they would become they would have a more extremist view than mm-hmm. they previously had yeah. because they feel like uh, the world is against them or something along those lines. Yeah, right. essentially, it, yeah, like I said, they're not being, they feel like the world's not giving them a second chance and that's when they turn bitter because mm-hmm. of the mistake that they made and other people are angry at them. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's just like bitterness on bitterness on bitterness and I don't think that's a productive way to learn from your mistake, you know? Right. 
No, like, I definitely understand what you guys are trying to say, because, like, obviously we want people to grow and, like, learn from, you know, their wrongdoings, their mistakes. But for me, it's just a bit more complicated, because, like, what if they're doing controversial things, like, over and over again? Like, what if, um, let's say, there's a scenario where, like, oh, this person gets cancelled, but, hey, you know, this person can actually grow in the future, but he or she ends up doing, you know, whatever controversial thing, like, they've been doing for the past yeah or so like Like, i think that's a repeated mistake that's just a more yeah like a repeated mistake like people who haven't learned their lesson who still continue to do things which are you know controversial um i think for me that's like just like a confusing point when it comes to cancel culture because i feel like it does have some merit especially when we're canceling people who who i guess like really deserve to be canceled like example um I'd say people in power, like, if we, if we, if we put the scenario of, like, Harvey Weinstein, right, Mm -hmm. um, someone as controversial as him, right, who's been, who actually has sexually assaulted, like, tons of women, I I just feel like people who are in power, um, and, like, people who, who are, like, yeah, I guess people in power, they sort of, like, at some point, they do deserve to be canceled, because, I don't Mm -hmm. know, in a way, it's, it's, like, they're not gonna be able to learn from their lesson, or, you know, have the just punishment if that even makes sense um you know for what they've done i I do get what you Mm -hmm. mean because um essentially what you're saying is that there's a certain gravity to different cases that each um that there is to each case right like um yeah each each problem like each each issue kind of takes like a different uh kind of weight or severity or severity to its right to its center like sexual allegations right. sexual allegations are really something to take seriously right and that's why and that's why mm-hmm. there are some people that have to be uh that have to have like their platforms taken away like we said last week and then there are some mm-hmm. people that are just repeat not not necessarily repeat but they make small mistakes but uh the point that you're making is that some that by not having cancel culture means letting a lot of people with with like huge huge controversies on their back with like with like extremely right. heavy weight get off with like a slap on the wrist right, right. yeah no so I definitely definitely agree with that yeah I agree with that and so it's a case by case <laughs> thing I guess yeah and I feel like another scenario that's I guess what makes this really complicated is what if these people are actually educated you know they know that it's wrong um mm-hmm from, like, what they've learned in school or whatnot, they know that what they're doing is wrong, but then they still continue to do it. You know, like, how do we... I guess in a way, like, how can we know if they're, they're actually... They, sorry, how can we know if they'll actually grow from, you know, their mistakes if, if like, they're being cancelled? Yeah, that's... I think, ultimately, for, peop- for people that are educated, mm-hmm. I think it's a bit more difficult because, uh, like, you when you when you said, like, yeah, they actually know that this is wrong from their studies, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. But but they still do it regardless. Yeah. I think it's a bit, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit difficult, or like maybe not just difficult, but I think it's not really a good, so- it's not a good solution for us to cancel them, mm-hmm. because I think for cases like where it's like clear cut, like the case of Harvey Weinstein, for instance, mm-hmm. where he's actually convicted and put in prison mm-hmm. for like, I mean, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, then it's quite clear cut where like yeah definitely there's like a lot of merit in canceling him. Right. Uh, however, for people 
like even though they receive the education in school doesn't necessarily means they fully realize the implication of their action so i think they deserve a second chance mm. yeah yeah it's like i kind of want to ask a question um mm-hmm. lately especially since with the black lives matter movement um as of recently a lot of celebrities are kind of getting like heat for um saying uh you know racial slurs and maybe doing things like blackface mm-hmm. and a lot of them they co- they come up with apologies and uh they they're mm-hmm. and like a lot of what they're saying is that these were people that these were actions that they did before they were educated and they learned from it and they're certainly not the people that they were before so that kind of shows that there mm-hmm. there's a personal development there right but then is it like mm-hmm. uh in some cases that um they kind of send out an apo- they send out apologies uh like they just you know look those uh stereotypical write it on the notes app and then screenshot mm-hmm. it post it on instagram it's like do is this it's like they say an apology but then it's up to the people and their followers to see if it's if it seems genuine or not right their apology so like obviously they're getting canceled for they mm-hmm. and they need to be taken like responsible for their words but like what do you guys think about that Um for me I just think that okay so it really really depends on you know the situation for sure and what they've done um and all in all I feel like when it comes to the black lives matter movement I like when it comes to who I guess who can accept their apology I feel like it's um I feel like only like only black people could do that since like yeah that's true other like if that makes sense like if you're like white if you're another if you're a person of color who's not black I don't necessarily think yeah. that you should have like a proper say in, you know, whether their apology is right or not. But mm-hmm. one really one big factor I'd say that um really like influences people um on whether they actually accept this person's growth and apology is their actions, right? Cuz yeah. um I feel like your actions are just as important your as your words. Like you can definitely give an apology like okay can say sorry for all the wrong actions sorry you can say sorry for all the wrong things that you've done but then it also you're also responsible i guess to show action and like solidarity yeah. um and show that you, you know grow, within you like know, the right? current situation and to to not just like only live up by our words but just to also like prove that yes um this is how i've learned this is what i'm doing um and this is like how i'm going to like take accountability for what i've done in the past yeah. um yeah and yeah yeah Like I think just just to add on, I think it's also cuz influencers, celebrities, they have such a big platform, right? Mm-hmm. Um if you compare it with just like I don't know, like regular people like us, like it's just since they have such a large platform, they definitely have more weight on their shoulders since they really appeal to, you know, like a large audience. Lots of people yeah. are seeing what they're doing. That gives them I feel like that's why they have such, you know, a big responsibility when it comes to these types of apologies and whatnot. Mhm. Essentially, right. like it's our flaws that give dimension to each people and it's that it's that um it's that we have to learn from our mistakes and that's what really gives us like gives life its meaning, I guess. It's like you make mistakes, all right, mm-hmm. learn from them. Mhm. Right. That's true. So it really depends on like the weight of your um I guess like of like of the controversial actions that's being done. Yeah. But all in all, um you're not essentially and I feel like cancel culture should mostly be defined by accountability and improvement, right? Yeah. Um so maybe the focus of cancel culture shouldn't be like, you know, 
trending. Someone is over party on Twitter and like focus more on like, okay, you made a mistake. This is what you did wrong. Please take accountability uh-huh. and learn from it. Yes, I think I definitely agree with the both of you are saying, mm-hmm. and it's true. Uh, uh, especially celebrities with platforms have a bigger responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and I think I would also like to point out that I think uh, as our society progresses into a new era where where norms are actually changing, yeah. mm-hmm. to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we all realize that every single one of us are actually a work in progress in which we're trying to be more acceptable and remove our personal prejudices mm-hmm. when it comes to what we say and what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important. Uh, however, I would like to note that uh, when it comes to canceling someone over what they say and what they did, uh-huh. I think sometimes we need to take a look at ourselves as well because mm, uh, I think perhaps like the things that that the cel- that celebrities or anyone has done mm-hmm. actually we might in our daily life actually have done it as well or like previously done it at mm-hmm. some point in our yeah. life, especially when we're still very immature. <laughs> and I think uh, I think President Obama actually have a very good quote with regards to this in which he says, and I quote, I get a sense among certain young people on social media that the way of making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people. He went further by saying, the world is a messy place. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. And I think it's true in the past when we talk about Winston Churchill, and it's definitely true today when we talk about our influencers and also ourselves. All right, so that's pretty much the end of our two episodes regarding cancel culture. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We certainly hope that you guys at least learned something from listening to these two episodes on cancel culture. If you have any thoughts about this episode, leave a comment or DM on our Instagram. We'd be more than happy to listen to your opinions on our episodes. See you guys next Wednesday. Bye!